Hello, and welcome to the Haunted Estate. Hello, hello, my friends. Guess who it is? It's me, Selena Myers, only the same woman who greets you every other day. Anyways, how are you guys? Are you enjoying the weather? Is it summer where you are? Um, what's the weather like in Australia? That's where the majority of my downloads are. Hello, Australia. How are you? How you doing? Do you like paranormal stuff? I'm guessing so. Anyways, we're back for another episode. We're going to go into, you know, I'm going to say it, your stories, my stories, and everything in between. First, we will start off with the saga of Sammy. It continues. I haven't gotten more. Hoping along the lines, I will. Hopefully, she's hearing this. If you are, well, hello, Sammy. Here is another one. Your stories. Call them. Tell us your story. Toll free. one 270 3428 And visit us at thehauntedestate.com. Hello again from the same Sammy who spun stories of scary shadow people, eerie energies, plotting poltergeists and a wayward woman in white. I can't believe I almost forgot to mention the ghost car. This is what happens when I don't get everything out while I'm thinking about it. I was luckily thinking about a horribly haunted hotspot in my town and happened to remember an experience my friends and I had near that side of town. I live in the well-sized and historically rich town of Pueblo, 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 Colorado. It's not too big, and it's not too small. But best of all, it has a drive-in movie theater that runs every summer. One day, a couple college friends and I grew weary of the day-to-day tests that the studies at the campus had to offer. We decided to have a little fun and watch a show there. We paid the price and watched two movies before the theater shut down for the night. It was around 2 a.m., and the night was young. My old car needed a jump after idling with the radio on for so long. It was suggested that we keep driving around for about half an hour to make sure next time I turned it on, it would start without a fuss. Well, what were five college-age girls supposed to do so late in the night than shoot the shit and cause a bit of havoc? Since we weren't too far away, I decided to go to one of my favorite driving grounds. Back when my father was helping me get my license and clock in the 40 hours of experience I needed, he showed me an amazing place. Just outside of the dilapidated part of the old city city stood a large power plant that glitters like stars against a desert night sky. I'd fallen in love with the structure as I watched it shine in the sunset and slowly sink into the splendor of the night. It's just a drive past the river and water treatment plant, a turn down in abandoned suburbs, past the cemetery and outside the halfway houses for those just out of jail. The pavement fades away to a dirt road as the plant appears. As we cruise slowly up to the Castle of Lights, we were met with a decision. If I turned left, it was twisting, perilous dirt road that would take us to a small, secluded town in the hills. If I turned right, it would be a twisting, perilous road that would take us back to the highway just out of town. Yeah, my dad is quite the joker, making me learn to drive some of the toughest terrains out there. With nothing better to do, we go our way and drive the town over. The hills dip down and further down before ascending upwards towards a sea of stars. The loose gravel roads gave a little traction, since it was all dirt in the middle of nowhere, there were no warning signs of sudden turns and drop-off areas. I wasn't concerned about that, though. I was focused far more on the pair of headlights that followed us. 
I would glance back at my rearview mirror to see those two lights in the middle of the night keeping a fair distance from us. I slowed my car to a crawl as I kept an eye. The headlights never came closer. I kept track of where the power plant was. It stayed much further to the left than these two lights seemed to move with us. Eventually, we couldn't even see the power plant lights anymore. I turned off my lights and guided my car down the hill and off to the side. My little black car was well hidden from the lights. By this point, all of us in the car were finishing talking about exams and family life. We were all watching this pair of lights that bobbed around the hills with this little turbulence from the bumpy roads. The car never came closer and seemed to wait for us. After a few tense minutes, I finally turned back onto the road and drove like normal, only to be followed again. We soon arrived at the small town. I speedily looped around a few streets. I knew, and then again cut to the lights and parked the car next to a house as if we belonged there. I watched for the car to creep into the town for, on its pursuit of us. Again, it never did. I felt myself washed in worry and anxiety. Paranormal things don't, don't bother me much unless I'm tasked with keeping those around me safe and returning them home alive. Something about the energy from this car seemed malicious, as if trying to push us off the winding road. We finally started moving again. I went back to the dirt road and the way we came, since it was the only way we knew how to get home. The car never passed the only street into the little tiny town. The headlights didn't appear on the trip back. The scariest thing that happened after was that a small deer jumped into the road in front of my car as we neared the highway. I haven't taken a dirt road into the small town since, and I don't think I will ever again. Thank you very much, Sammy, for that story. It was spectacular. You're a fantastic writer. I love reading your stories, and I hope that you'll read my stories when my book comes out. Um, I, I get your your uh, your headlights things. There is a street outside of where I live called Critters Lane. There's so many stories that go along with this particular lane, but from what I've learned, it, that's just where the folklore lives. Nothing actually happened on that road. There was an abandoned farmhouse that I had visited um, which is quite unique. I know that a lot of the land was owned over there, something, something, but uh, there isn't anyone in Woonsack who hasn't had a crazy experience on this street. Um, it's, it's a dirt road, just like you said, and, and I've had red headlights follow me down that road more than once. And I, and I understand it's that feeling, you know, you don't feel completely secure in a car. There's all these windows, you could be hit, like you never know. And, and another thing, maybe it was a protection thing. It made you zoom around, pull over. Maybe if you would have been a couple seconds earlier, maybe there was a whole trops of deer and they were all gonna run into you and cause like a fatal accident or something. So, you know, you had the feeling that it was malicious though. So that's one of those things that you just have to see if you feel it again and kind of piece together what you think and, um, that kind of stuff. We have one more story from Sammy that will be coming up on the next episode. And again, thank you to Sammy for sharing your spectacular stories. Next up is something that's kind of fun. I was on an eco website looking at eco farms, very green property, self-sustainable properties to live on. And I came across a certain house and it's like, make sure you look up the address. Well, guess what? This property is where the Round Lake legend comes from. It is up near the Ottawa Valley in Canada. Um, wow, I just accented out so hard there. I sounded like a valley girl. Anyways, um, 
It is $349,000. I'm going to try to find the link for the house that I was looking at before. Um, But I have a little bit of the history behind the legend that goes with this house, which you can actually buy. So it's completely off-grid, 100%, self-sustainable house. Oh, my God. It's just so cool. And it has a round lake, obviously. So here is Buck Hill, Ottawa Valley Ghost Lights. Buck Hill is located in the Ottawa Valley, approximately 90 kilometers from Pembroke and nearby to Algonquin Park. It is the location of many reports of spook light activity. See below for an example, which is attributed to some of ghost stories. So, as I say, all articles that I do read will be on thehauntedestate.com. During the Depression and a particularly harsh winter storm, a logger returned to his home and family. He cautioned his wife and his young daughter to remain indoors while he went out to fetch some firewood. Upon his return, his wife told him that their pet dog had gotten out of the house, and the girl had ran out in order to call him back and had not yet returned. The anxious father grabbed his lantern and began to search for his missing child. The family lived on Buck Hill Road, and the distraught parent searched up and down to no avail. The young girl had simply vanished into the stormy night, never to be seen again. As legend has it, the logger who went the logger went mad with grief and never gave up his search. He would comb the area nightly with his lantern until his death. Some locals in the area believe this search continues to this day and refuse to go near this isolated lodging road. At this time, we have no corroborative historical facts that would support the ghost story. However, people have reported seeing balls of light, some at very close range at this location. The lights are described as either white, amber, or green, and approximately the size of a baseball. Occasionally, these lights are bright enough to light up the forested area, will flare up as if increasing in size and luminosity before eventually disappearing. The following is an eyewitness account. I went up there on a Friday night, and I saw some things I never thought could happen. It was around midnight when we saw these weird images. We, me, two other buddies, were sitting in the truck facing down the hill, and all of a sudden we saw an eerie green glow from the valley down below. We sat there in shock as to what we were seeing. It was a green light walking up and down the road, and then out of nowhere, it accelerated to huge speeds, 100 miles per hour maybe, and hit a dead stop, and go back to its high speed in a flash. It was very spooky. Then as another car came down the valley way below, the light wandered off into the bushes. There was another fellow lad and his girlfriend with him, looking for the ghost, but he has seen it many times. We talked about it for a bit, and saw it come out again at the valley below. We watched it for about 30 seconds as the strange, eerie light went from a green to a blue to an orange or amber, and then it wandered off. I don't know what this thing is, but it scared us pretty good. But me being so serious, I looked up on the web and found you guys. Well, we went back the next night, Saturday, last night, to see it again. But there were a lot of people up there looking for the ghost. But they were there to drink and play music, so we waited it out until they left. And sure enough, we caught a 10-second glimpse of it until one of the other vehicles came back for a little longer. There was a ghost hunter with them who was very well prepared for an encounter, but it just didn't want to show up. Did you like my change of voice there? (laughs) Our thanks to the witness for their report. 
As the other most famous spook-like locations, area attract a fair amount of visitors and is a known party spot for teens, is allowed to the eyewitness account above. We've received a report from Crystal S. in May 2004, which is accompanied by this photograph seen above. This is Crystal's report regarding the strange lights witnessed at this location. The light was to the north. It was about the size of a grapefruit. It was about 500 meters away. The first time we saw it, and then the second time we saw it, it was closer. This is just a guess, as it was pitch black. As for sounds, I heard rumbling when it appeared. No one else was in the car, and no one else heard anything. Update, November 2005. This is a small piece wrote from some friends of mine after visiting Buck Hill recently. Everything written actually happened that night. This weekend, we finally got out around um, 8.30 p.m. to go to Buck Hill. The trip was good. We made it to Round Lake Center at about 9.45, and our journey began. Zach claimed to know exactly where Buck Hill was because he had been there. So, unsuspectingly, I followed his shoddy directions. We ended up on Simpson Pit Road, the road that Buck Hill was supposedly supposed to be on. But we couldn't find it. Zach recalled seeing a scenic road, so we decided it was wise to get on that road. And timely, that was our mistake. For the next two hours, we drove aimlessly through the woods with no incline as to where we were going. We stopped at a house that looked like a scene from Jeepers Creepers and asked a friendly older fellow for directions. His questions eventually proved to be completely accurate, but we were morons and decided to disregard them and find our own way. We ended up in the town of Wilno, home of the infamous Wilno Tavern. We drove through Wilno and eventually ended up in Barry's Bay. The only town in that area was cell phone coverage. We stopped at a local pizza hut so everybody could eat and stretch their legs. After that, we headed back. We quickly got back onto Simpson Pit Road. While driving, we recalled the old man's directions. We went with our guts and turned onto a road with no sign. Just the foggy mental image of what the man had described to us. As we made our way through the woods, up the solitary windy dirt road, Zach began to recognize things. It turned out that he, in fact, had been there previously, but it was during the day. We began, to, we began the ascent of a long tree-surrounded incline, and when we reached the top, Zach exclaimed that we had found Buck Hill. Excited, I turned the van around, facing the steep descending hill. We heard rumors that to see the ghost, a virgin needed to shout out Daddy three times, and then you had to flash your high beams three times as well. Our only virgin was too scared to do it, so Chantel did. We waited, and a few of the girls even said they could see something coming up the hill, but I saw nothing. We were all slightly nervous in suspense when a car came flying up the road behind us, flashing its high beams and honking the horn. Needless to say, they scared the crap out of us. They pulled up along us, and it was just a bunch of kids looking to see the ghost. We hung out for a while, and eventually they left. In the comfort of their presence, we had made our way outside and casually standing next to the van. Now they were all gone, and we decided to get in and try again. Zach began shouting, Daddy, and laughing loudly. I advised him against this, but he persisted. His fun was broken when we witnessed a small white light bolting violently through the woods ahead of us. It started on the horizon and rapidly made its way to the bottom of the hill within seconds. At this point, I was reaching out for the keys, getting ready to go. 
And suddenly, a car pulled out from the intersecting path, and a light disappeared. Terrified, we started the engine, proceeded to drive down the hill. We began our descent, and three quarters of the way down, we heard a loud noise coming from the rear of the vehicle. It started as a bang, continued as a deep, pounding sound. The girls were terrified and began to scream. We pulled over and calmed everybody down. Zach and I got out to inspect the source of the noise. We were shocked to find a six-inch piece of sharpened steel deep inside the right rear tire of the van. With great effort, we pulled it out and listened to the air quickly escape from the tire. So here we were, stranded at Buck Hill at 1 a.m. after just seeing what could have been a ghost. We had a spare tire, but no jack to change it or any clue how to get the spare tire out from underneath the van. I had just purchased a CIA card, but unfortunately there was no cell phone coverage until Barry's Bay or Pembroke, whichever is closer. We waited for nearly 20 minutes before a car showed up and a guy from Pembroke let us use their jack and tools. We pried the spare tire out from underneath the van and promptly installed it. We thanked the guys for their help and slowly drove back to Pembroke. The drive was a very quiet one. Everybody was just too scared to say anything. Especially as the girls had concluded that the six-inch piece of sharpened steel in the tire was the doing of some angry spirit. I told Zach it was a bad idea to yell daddy. An hour later, we got back to Petawawa, dropped everybody off, and went to bed. We decided not to go back to Buck Hill the next day. Update, April 2006. About five and a half years ago, being a skeptic that there was a ghost at Buck Hill, I still went up anyways. I had many sightings in the past with ghosts. It was a Friday night. I got to the top of the hill, turned the car around, and turned it off. I was told that I should flash my high beams three times as I'm sitting in the vehicle, joking with my friends, saying that nothing was going to happen as the light appeared at the bottom of the hill in a ball shape. I automatically stopped joking around with my friends. As the light was coming up the hill, about halfway, it vanished, then reappeared as a black figure of a tall, husky man. But we were able to see through it. It was standing in front of the car. All of a sudden, started to walk from the front of the car to the driver's side of the vehicle. As it approached, the door on the interior light turned ice cold. It was so cold we could see our breath. It kept gliding until it passed the driver's door, then vanished once again. After that encounter, we started the car and cut out of there. It was my first encounter. I have had many, many more sightings. About three to four years ago, I brought my girlfriend up to Buck Hill. This was her first time. She was a skeptic at the time. It was around 11 p.m. when we got there. It was raining lightly. We got to the top of the hill, turned the car off, and waited. We were agreeing that we might not see the ghost because of the rain, when all of a sudden, we saw a light in the distance. I have been there before and seen that type of light in the distance. Thinking it was a car coming up the road, we continued talking. Around midnight, we were making a choice to go home. When out of nowhere, a light appeared in, on the passenger side about two feet away. It caught our attention. We gazed at it. It seemed to be facing the vehicle. But what looked like a light was very hazed. 
My girlfriend said, let's get out of here. When all of a sudden, the light lit up the woods and gave a transparent look of a man holding a lantern. It stayed like that for a couple seconds, then turned back to face the vehicle and lit up the entire car. We got a cold chill. My girlfriend yelled, start the car! We proceeded down the hill. Our way out of the winding road, the car managed to stall three times. We finally made it home. And every summer, we return with more to collect and more people. Summer of 2006, we are taking camera and audio devices, and we shall see what happens. Update, July 2012. Me and my girlfriend went to Buck Hill the other night. While we were camping at Round Lake, we ended up going far down Buck Hill Road, past where everyone lives in the middle of nowhere. There is a spot where it looks like people turn around on the road and face the forest. We thought that might be the spot where things happen, so we parked. About ten seconds after parking, we heard the unmistakable screams come from the forest of a young girl. It was two screams, about a second and a half each, and about three seconds apart. Me and my girlfriend both looked at each other in chalk, saying, Did you hear that? When she told me she heard the screaming, I almost ran out of the car to try and help whoever it was in the woods, but she didn't want me to leave the car. The voice did not say any words. It was just screaming in despair. We ended up listening for another eight to ten minutes to hear nothing else and left. I'll never forget those screams. August 2014. I thought you might be interested in knowing what I've witnessed. My first encounter was over 20 years ago. A few friends and I went up to Buck Hill at the spur of the moment. I'm not from the area when my friends suggested going to see the ghosts at the top of Buck Hill. I was skeptical. Well, after what we experience up there, I'm a true believer. There is definitely something there. Not sure what, though. Perhaps a ghost. We arrived at Buck Hill around 2 a.m. We drove the car to the highest point of Buck Hill, turned around, turned off the engine. We waited approximately 10 minutes, and then a bright light appeared in the sky, far away. It looked like a headlight, but far brighter. Proceeded to come closer, disappeared for an instant. When my friend turned the key of the ignition to check the time on the clock, then when it, and then it reappeared. It was about 200 feet away. That was close enough for us. We turned on the car and beat it out of there fast. Weird thing was, when we turned the lights on the car, it lit up the canopy of the tree lines across the road. We couldn't explain how we could see the light so clearly from so far away when there's so many tree limbs in front of us. Our last encounter was just on this past long weekend, August 3rd, 2014. There were eight of us in total in two cars. We parked in the same place. This time, one of the cars flashed its headlight three times. Not sure if that makes a difference, but we read that that's what you're supposed to do. We waited about 45 minutes before seeing flashes of a bright light in the sky in the distance. It flashed three times, then disappeared for a bit. Then it flashed three more times and disappeared again. I didn't see it, but another person said the light was hovering over the forest in front of us to the left. Then I saw a faint orange light about half the original distance in front of us. It was lower in the tree line this time. Then it disappeared. After that, a green light appeared much closer and hovered about six feet above the road in front of us. Then it disappeared, 
and a flash of light went over our car. I didn't see behind us, so I'm thinking it was hovering over our car. At that point, we were too scared, and we left. Four people in the car beside us saw the first flashes of light in the sky, but three people didn't see the rest. One person saw it all. Can't explain that. Maybe the trees blocked some of it. Who knows? The last weird thing that happened on the way out of Buck Hill Road was one of the car's taillights went out as we turned off the road. The car was recently bought and had a safety that week. Everything was working. The light came back on shortly after leaving Buck Hill. Coincidence? Again, who knows? But interesting nonetheless. I love that. Um, very interesting. Wow, I want to live there. The house that's for sale is the cabin where the guy lived. It is a cabin-type house. I'm going to try and find the link for that. If I can't, this article will be there with the pictures and all that kind of stuff. So, please, um, good news, good news. My book is going to be out um, hopefully by the end of July, early August. It will be available at a lot of stores across um, northern America, probably more like southwestern America. <laughs> um, it's going to be able to download for audio. It is going to be able to buy online. You name it, you'll be able to get it somehow. Maybe you can order straight from me too. Anyways, I love you guys. Please check it out. I have a tummy ache. I'm going to go lay down. Have a very spooky rest of your day, and I will see you the day after tomorrow.